As you're going back to your seats, why don't we pray together? Jesus, thank you so much for just the family that is Mill City Church, that we get to be together, that we get to know each other. Thank you for the chance to get to know some people maybe we haven't spoken to before this morning. Thank you that we can have our children in worship with us today uh, and embrace our identity as a group that has all sorts of different ages and backgrounds to it. We're happy to worship you and listen to your word together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Happy Sunday, everybody. We're so excited to be in the last Sunday of a series we're calling Pass It On, which has been a variety of conversations about how we pass on our faith. And today, since it's the fifth Sunday of the month, we always include our, our children, elementary age kids and up, in the worship service. So look around you, there might be some children engaged, and we will be asking them to kind of participate with us as we go along. So today's sermon might feel a little bit different than the regular Sunday morning because we're so glad to have them here and we want to engage with them as we go along. So today, Sharon and I are going to talk to you a little bit about this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that we read, if you've ever been here for a child dedication, we read it before every child dedication because it, it clearly states how in our everyday lives we're supposed to practice our faith and pass it on to the people around us. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to use Deuteronomy 6 as kind of an outline for how we do this. How do we actually practice passing on our faith? We'll talk about a variety of practices for doing that. But because it's Intergenerational Sunday, we have to do hand motions. So are you ready? Wow, the enthusiasm is palpable. Okay, so the hand motions for Deuteronomy chapter 6, and there's some visuals for you on the screen, right? The first one is heart. Can you make a heart? Good. Okay. Second one is hands. Put your hands out in front of you. Third one is eyes. I see you non-participatory people. And the last one is mind. Okay? So as we walk through Deuteronomy chapter 6 today, we're going to talk about four ways that we engage with God and practice our faith in a way that helps us pass it on. Ready? One more time. Heart. What's the next one? Hands. Eyes and mind. Sharon's going to introduce Deuteronomy 6 for us and help us to read it together and talk to us a little bit about some of these heart practices that we do to try to help us love the things that God loves. Here's a quick summary of, of how I want you to think about this whole passage as Sharon gets started. You can think about Deuteronomy 6 as a way to learn to love God completely by engaging in everyday practices. Thank you, Andrew that help you love what God loves, do what God does, see what God sees, and think what God thinks. Okay? Heart, hands, eyes, mind. Love what God loves, do what God loves, see what God sees, and think what God thinks. If you haven't met Sharon Rundell, she's the director of family life at Mill City Church, which means she works with all of our kids in elementary age up to, nope, sorry, Birth to junior high, middle school, which is like 3,000 children or something in this church. It's a lot of kids, so many kids. So I've asked Sharon to come and talk to us a little bit about some of the practices that we teach for engaging in kids in those different ranges. So will you please welcome Sharon Rundell. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, I get to talk to parents. I get to talk to kids, college students. Um, I have coffee with people. And one of the main questions that comes up is, Hey, Sharon, it's a little weird. It's a little awkward to talk about my faith. It's weird. How do I talk about it at home with my family? 
How do I talk about it? You know, when I, when I meet with students, sometimes they say, how do I talk about it in school? How do I talk about it with my roommates? Um, and when I just meet people for coffee, they're like, how do I talk about my faith at my workplace um, and what God's doing in my life? I want to share with you today some really simple tools that God gave us in Deuteronomy. He knew this was going to be weird and awkward for us. So he said, hey, I've got a plan. This is the best way to talk about this. So we, we refer to Deuteronomy 6. We are going to all read this passage together. So students, kids that are in here, get ready, because I want you to be super loud. Cole, I want you to read with me. Can everybody see this? We're going to read Deuteronomy 6 out loud together, and I want to hear you so we don't have to do it more than once. All right, here we go. Everybody loud. Will, are you going to say it with me? Yes. Okay. Hear, O Israel, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So it's pretty easy. Thank you. You guys were actually pretty fantastic. Um, it's pretty easy. God's giving us instructions, but we need to put that in modern day terms. Um, I don't think we're going to walk around with them on our forehead necessarily, but to apply that to modern day terms, that is talk about them when you're walking. We still do that. Talk about them when you're in the car. Talk about God when you are at mealtime. And for our little ones, we say talk about God with them when you are having bath time or cuddle time. Um, the good thing about this is at Mill City, we give all of our families tools for this called a parent cue. You might have seen your kids walk home with a half sheet of paper um, when they come out of class. All of these tips and tools are on there for you as families to initiate conversations uh, during the week to talk about what they have learned on a Sunday morning and what, we, what you are learning. So these parent cues are not just questions for your kids. They're also questions for you to talk about with the children in your life. So, uh, for instance, here comes the, uh, let's look at the teen, the preteen uh, parent cue. This was um, on the parent cue uh, handout just this last week or two. Um, this was a conversation starter with your preteen. While in the car, ask your preteen, what do you need to trust God with right now? And what makes it hard to trust God sometimes? It's a cue to kind of get you started talking. That's a good thing to talk about at dinner time. Um, but also, talking to your fourth and fifth grader about some things in your life that might be hard for you to trust God with right now. Sharing your faith and talking about these type of things is the best way to pass your faith on to the next generation. Some of you might have been in a home situation like many of us where uh, you went to church and you did your church thing and you came home, but you never really talked about it beyond church. They say, oh, they're teaching that you that at church. Um, we don't need to cover that at home. That's not true. The most 
prominent thing that you can do for your kids is talking about it at home with your family, not just here. We only get a few hours a year with your kids. You have 3,000 hours a year with your kid that you can talk about this. So it's super important. Um, we also have a parent queue that's for the elementary-aged kids, which Andrew will put up there. That is... Um, that one recently was just put the Bible verse that we're talking about this month on their fridge. Talk about it. Read it aloud before school or before preschool or before wherever you're going. Um, but not only are you processing that with the kids, but you are also processing that yourself internally, learning to do it as well. Um, and then for our toddlers, we have things as well, which will be up there. Um, some things to say when you're doing cuddle time and things like that. Uh, Andrew had put up there the Parent Q app. If you don't want the paper or if you want access to this right at your fingertips, there's a free app you can get on your phone called the Parent Q. Um, I really encourage you to install that. Um, if you have kids in your life, if you're not a parent, even you can install that as well. I know Steph does that for her niece and her nephew, and she also has uh, loaded in there some teenage girls that she mentors. And these cues come up for her as conversation starters with those kids. Uh, Chris and Mike use it. I used it this past year. I had my last kid leave the nest this fall. Uh, but when he was a senior in high school, some of those conversation starters that got us talking about our relationship with Jesus were amazing. And honestly, when you're talking to an 18-year-old, they can be kind of tough. The conversations can. So it was great to have that option and that tool uh, there. So I encourage you to do that. But the, the good news is God gave us this plan. It's not super hard. It's just do it. Talk about your faith. Um, if you're a student, talk about what God's doing in your life. If you're somebody who doesn't have kids in home, um, find some kids that you can invest in and you can talk about your faith. We make it, to, we make it not weird by talking about it. We do this in kids' worship as well. Uh, we meet in small groups. Um, we actually start this with our preschoolers. You might not know this, but we're getting them ready for what happens in elementary, where the small group leaders, they talk to your kids about these things that are going on in their life to make it more natural to talk about your faith. I want to caution you with this one thing. Whatever you're doing, do not feel parent guilt. You need to know that... Um, Every family is different. Every family is beautiful and doing this in their own way. I have one quick story that I'll share, and then I'll give it back to Michael. With a family here uh, in church, uh, so the Zongos have a number of kids, and they have a, uh, just a family rhythm that they have created at bedtime where they sing some songs with the kids, and then they pray with them, and they kind of snuggle in and talk about what's happening in their day. And just recently, four-year-old Zeke, you've seen him running around. He's adorable. He had some questions for mom um, about how is God, how does God speak to us through the Bible? And so Debbie was like, wow, okay, let's talk through this with you, little four-year-old Zeke. And they kind of talked through it, and she had a feeling that he was um, feeling kind of spiritually ready for the next step. And so she went ahead and started talking to him about um, what salvation looks like and what that is. And that night, before he went to sleep, they were able to pray the salvation prayer, and little Zeke was able to ask Jesus to be his friend forever. And 
it was such an exciting, really great time for their family, and it's an important milestone that just happened because they have this rhythm in their life. Um, and then, of course, when Zeke got here the next Sunday here last week, he couldn't wait to tell me, he couldn't wait to tell Ashish, our worship leader, all about it because it was such a pivotal pivotal time in his life with Jesus. So that's just a little bit of an encouragement of how to do this and what it might look like. Mm. Thank you so much, Sharon. So, and you see in this passage where it's talking about how we do these things in our everyday lives shape our hearts more than, than anything else in our life. Whatever you do regularly in your life, that's the thing that's shaping you the most. Not the extraordinary events, um, not the one-off things that you've done, but what you're regularly, habitually doing is what is shaping you as a person. It's what's shaping your spiritual development the most. And so having these regular conversations helps us to express what we care about and how, how we think God cares about things and invites us to have discussions that really help shape us in the ways that Sharon described. So the second part of the, the, um, the passage that we want to talk about is what we're doing with our hands. So in this passage, you might have wondered sometimes why they say, you know, tie these things on your finger or wrap them on your forehead. Well, very literally, some people in the Jewish community were tying things, tying Bible verses on their fingers and putting them on their forehead in a very literal way. But also, it's a, it's a way for the text to tell us, pay attention to what's going on in your heart, pay attention to what you're doing with your hands, paying attention to what you see, and pay attention to what you're thinking. And as a pattern for how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. So I want to talk for just a minute about uh, what we're doing with our hands and how we're practically passing on our faith through what we're doing with our hands. Uh, one way to think about this is to say, whatever you're doing in your regular everyday life, what, what are you actually doing? You woke up, you did something, you got ready for your day, you went somewhere, you did something else, you came home. What was that, how did that integrate with your Christian faith? So one of the things that we're, we're trying to learn how to practice with children is um, one way to get at this is a thing called Faith Five. And in Faith Five, real simply, kind of like Tony just had you do at community time, there's a, a, na a natural process to have a conversation at the end of the day to just say, what was the best part of your day? What was the worst part of your day? What, what is your high and your low? Uh, let's look at Scripture and see how Scripture then integrates with what I did with my day, what I felt, how I acted, how other people acted towards me, uh, talking about how that Bible story interacts with our highs and our lows, praying for the people in your community at the end of a day and saying, let me pray for God to help you with these highs and help you with these lows, and then speaking a blessing over each other is one pattern for really processing what did I do with my day? Not just the extraordinary days, but, but the average day. As you're walking around and doing things, does that work matter in God's kingdom? And how do you understand that? If you went to school last week and a kid was mean to you, or you were mean to a kid, how do we process that and invite God's grace to, to heal us and help us to act differently towards other people? Uh, if we don't take time to reflect on what we did with our hands in a particular day, then it's very hard for us to really let, let, let God shape those practices in our lives. Uh, if you're in the adult world, one of the ways in which we've gotten into this conversation over the last few years is to say, pay careful attention to whatever work you're doing. Work being paid work, unpaid work, whatever you're using your time and your skills to do, 
Um, don't quit your day job is one of the ways we talk about that. And say, God is actively working through your work, whatever that might look like. So taking that faith five practice as an adult and saying, ah, what was my highs and lows from my work day today? You know, what scripture speaks to the highs and lows that I had today at work? How can I talk about those connections? How can I pray about those connections? And how can I receive blessing and bless other people in their work life? Part of learning to live this Deuteronomy 6 life is to pay attention to the work we're doing every day as adults and listen to the challenges others are having and integrating our faith into that everyday work. Some of the most transformative stories from Mill City Church's work comes from you all saying, here's how I'm integrating my Christian faith into my daily work life. And these are the things that the Holy Spirit is doing through my work environment in order to really see God's kingdom coming in some new ways. I think those stories are so moving. Not everything we do as Christians has to be organized and, and scheduled as a church activity, right? Part of it is us just living out our lives and doing things with our hands that honor God and bring God's good news to the people around us in our workspaces. So the third part is what we do with our eyes and what we see with our eyes. Uh, in our house, we have uh, a Norman Rockwell print right next to where we eat dinner every night. Here's a picture of it. Anybody ever seen this Norman Rockwell before? Some of you? Okay. So I bought this 20 years ago, probably. And we hang it next to our dinner table as one visual reminder of what it is that we think our role is as Christians in a world that's increasingly not paying attention to the, what the God of the Bible is saying to them. I love this picture because it, it has this woman and her, assumedly her grandson or some small child in her life, and they're praying in, in some cafe next to two young adults who are like looking at her like, what, what in the world are you doing? Have you ever prayed in public and had somebody sort of look at you like, what in the world are you doing? Or you prayed over a meal at a restaurant and the server came back too quick and you felt awkward and quickly finished your prayer so you could speak to him or her, right? This is a visual reminder in our house that prayer isn't just for us. It is a way to be publicly a Christian and to let people know that that prayer matters to us. But by having it as a visual in our home every night, it isn't like every meal we're saying. Prayer is a public testament to being a Christian. Cole, William, we're just letting the visual help us to reinforce what it is that God wants us to do. So what visuals are in your space? In your workplace or uh, in your home where you live or in your car or wherever you are? What do the visuals say about your everyday faith practices. That might be something to think through. In our house, we also have a scripture on a wall. We have a friend who started this little business where she burns whatever you want into uh, pieces of wood and then frames them for you and hangs on the wall. This is a scripture verse that God used to speak to my wife and I before we had children in a way that was super powerful when we were going through a really hard time. And so even just in the last couple of years when she started this business, we said, would you put this scripture on a piece of wood so we can hang it in our bedroom as a reminder of God's faithful to, faithfulness to us. And these visuals, wherever you put them in your life, uh, they help you, especially on the days when you feel like God is distant or absent. You can look at a scripture like that and say, okay, even though today's not going so great, 
I can remember that this scripture reminds me of God's faithfulness to us in a different time. The other thing I want to encourage you to think about, we're saying how do we pass on our faith is every day for every one of us, we are seeing so many things, many of them on screens, right? So, so how in an everyday 21st century way can we curate what we're looking at on screens so that it helps build up our faith? Have you ever done a screen audit, not in terms of time, but in terms of content? So on any given day, say you look at a screen for two hours or whatever your phone tells you you did, and it will break it down for you, right? The new, at least the iPhones do now, right? They, they say you were this much on social media and reading on the internet and whatever else. So what if you thought about, like, what am I putting in, literally putting in front of my eyes, and how is that helping or hindering me from growing in my faith? And so one of the practices we've used in our family, too, is this, uh, this app that um, is called, I forget what it's called, the Bible app for kids, I think. It's from um, YouVersion, which has a, a regular Bible app for adults, too. Man, what an amazing tool that even if, if you're giving your kid a screen because you need to at a parenting moment, right? What if you gave them something that was on the screen that actually helped them grow in their faith as opposed to just whatever game might be on there? Um, or what if, as an adult engaging with children, you go to thebibleproject.com, which is one of the most amazing resources we have right now, where they're making five, six, seven-minute videos to help explain books of the Bible, questions we have about Christian faith, great discussion starters for other things. What if part of our screen time every day was just taking five minutes, literally five minutes, and watching something and putting something in front of our eyes that helped not only us grow, but uh, our children grow? If you're looking for a way to engage children in thinking about faith, this is a great place to start. Grab one of the videos that looks interesting to you and talk to people about it. Okay, last category is uh, how we're thinking about things. How, we're, how are we engaging our brains in the faith that we have in an everyday way? Um, several theologians have said that it's important for us to always have the Bible and our newspapers in front of us at the same time. And I think this is as challenging now as it ever has been. But the point from those teachers of the church was, you really can't have a conversation about your faith unless you're engaging both the Bible and whatever's happening in the world. And for young people, especially you young people in the room, we want you to know that Christian faith is relevant to what's happening in the world. You don't separate out your church life and your, your following of Jesus from what's happening in day to day. How many of you grew up in a, in a place and then when you went off to um, whatever you were doing, maybe post-high school, college environment, or something else, work environment, you felt like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that this and this and this was happening in the world because we never talked about it in the community that I grew up in. And now I'm trying to process, what does this mean for my Christian faith? I've had lots of conversations like that with young adults. We want, as part of Mill City Church, for us to always be having a conversation about what's happening in the world, locally and globally, and, and what Scripture is telling us. So one of the ways in which we do this in our home as well is by using um, these little sticks that we have in, in, on our table. Here's a picture of them. My wife made these. Uh, they're in this really elegant jar of garbanzo beans. Is that what they are, garbanzo beans? I'm glad I got the bean right. And Carissa selected, I'd say probably 30 different questions or prompts that try to help our kids think about their Christian faith in, in a particular way. Some of them are fun and some of them are more serious. 
The one that I highlighted for you on this stick here is, did you hear from God today, and what did you hear? How are you thinking about your Christian faith in the world that you're living in every single day? So at dinner time, the kids can pull a stick, and now they've learned to like mark the stick so they get the one that they want. Right, Will? Which stick do you pull? Sing a song for us. You're always wanting to sing a song for us. Or avoid the, or avoid the other sticks, right? That's your stick? Yeah, the other ones are no good. There's the real, there's the real experience in the Binder household. In case it sounded too rosy, now you have a window into what's actually going on. But what if we put some, some sticks on a table or whatever version you want to do, and we, we change them every once in a while and we say, how are we dealing with this particular thing that we know is going on in the world on a regular basis? And you can pull that and we can talk about it uh, over a meal or over some other type of gathering. Uh, last two things I want to mention are that we're really intentional at Mill City in trying to create equipping our classes, these classes that take place at 9 o'clock before worship that help us do this kind of engagement and equip you to think about how to read the Bible and the newspaper at the same time. So some of you are in a class even now that where we're actively trying to engage faith and science and the, the conflicts that come from that and the, um, the places where they go together. But to really say, how do we wrestle with the questions that people are asking in the scientific community and how do we ask them from a Christian perspective and where are their disagreements and, and where are their collaborations? Another class that's happening at the moment is about emotional intelligence and faith. I don't know how uh, those of you have been in church for a while. I don't know if you've ever been in a church where they talked about emotional intelligence, but that wasn't one of the conversations in my, my upbringing in my church. So we're trying to say, what does emotional intelligence have to say to us as Christian people and how God made us and how we live into that and maybe how we engage with other people in our everyday lives? Um, how, does that, how does that play in with mental health and other pieces as well? So um, how do we have these conversations as church practically and talk about everyday life, what's happening with our emotions, what's happening with our work, what's happening with our relationship with God from a personal perspective? How are our kids engaging or not engaging? We have to have everyday practices to do this stuff or it just doesn't happen, right? The longer it stays in the realm of the extraordinary effort, the, the less likely it is to happen. Has anybody else experienced that? So we're trying to help you and help us think about how do we build these things into our rhythms of our everyday lives so that our hearts and our hands and our eyes and our minds are shaped to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, let me invite the band to come back up. So the way, a way to summarize this text, and hopefully you could take one of these practices and maybe try to implement them in your life. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is saying to us, Let's try to learn to love God completely by engaging in everyday practices that help you love what God loves, do what God does, see what God sees, and think what God thinks. If we learn to do those things on an everyday level, as you already are, I know, but as we continue to increase these practices, we become people in the world that God loves, that people can say, these guys aren't perfect, but it's clear that they're actually doing the things that they believe. They're trying, at least. And they have these quirky little practices that seem to help them engage and love God with their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Let's pray together before we take communion.
Jesus, every day can be a total blur. Some days go by so fast. We wake up, we get ready, we go to school, we go to work, we come home. It's another day. We pray that this week you will just slow us down enough to be able to see where you are engaging our hearts, where you are engaging our hands, where you are engaging our eyes, where you are engaging our minds, so that we might become people who practice our faith. That we might become people who live out our faith in ways that make sense to the people around us so that we might pass it on to whoever wants to receive it. So God, every one of us, no matter how old we are in this room right now, encourage us to love you with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength by participating in what you're doing in our everyday lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.